Go in your Bible to the book of, anybody? 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3, verse 16. Am I forgetting anything? That's what it was. If you have never been to Orchardville Church, never, 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 in all your born days, we want to give you a gift. Right here it is. This sack. And it's got some goodies in it. Um, we ask you to fill out your bulletin. Is it a bulletin? Yeah. Fill out the back flap on your bulletin. Uh, take that to the info desk out in the foyer, and they'll give you uh, one of those. How many here, for the very first time in all your life, first time you've ever been to Orchardville Church, raise your hand, please. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Good to have you here. The singing is awesome. The preaching is just so-so. It's just not what? No, don't. Huh? Oh, who said? Uh, thank you. Thanks, Helen. Yeah, thank you. All right, keep it up. No, no, no. no. All right, 1 John chapter 3. Let's get there. 1 John 3, and we'll start in verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Now, don't that kind of sound like another John 3.16? Isn't that incredible? Sounds a lot like John 3.16, and here we got 1 John 3.16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoso has this world's goods and sees his brother have need and shuts up his, you know, what's a, uh, I know what the New Testament, or what the uh, King James says. What's an, another word for that? What was it? Can't hear that. I know it says bowels. That's what this one says. And people, I mean, 2012. Heart. Heart. Okay. Whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his heart of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Say that with me. God is greater. Do it again. God is greater. One more time. God is greater. Father, we're praying, Lord God, for your blessing upon the remainder of this service. And Lord, that this would be something that would be an encouragement and be a help to everyone that's here. In Jesus' name, amen. In John chapter 9, we find the story of the man that was blind from birth. And the disciples were saying what people have said, would say even to this day, God sent the blindness upon that man so that God could be glorified. No, not right. Absolutely not. Everything that's bad in this world, don't blame that on God. 
Everything was fine till the booger man got here. God created man to praise him. We saw last week that we are to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And when people get off track from that, that's not God's fault. There's a germ that's entered in, and that germ is called sin. So don't blame God. But preacher, God allowed it to happen. Listen, I'll tell you what the Bible says. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. And people that don't do that, what happens? Sin gets in the way. Not everyone is saved. Why? Because of sin. Because of sin of rebellion, blah, 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 whatever you'd want to put in there. But it's because of sin. So don't blame God. In Matthew 13, and we mentioned this last week, where Jesus talked about the, uh, the sower, the seed, the soil, and he goes on to explain in deeper depths there about the weeds that spring up. And then Jesus said, an enemy has done this. Again, don't blame God. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. God is good, God is great, and God is greater, so says John in John, 1 John chapter 3. Yeah, but preacher, one of the thing of healing, I know people that prayed for healing and didn't get healed. I do too. I do too. I have known of people that way. I have known of people that had more faith than anybody that I have ever seen. And listen, if you want to come to me and say, preacher, what's the reason for that? Why did they have faith and they wasn't healed? I don't know. And anybody that would tell you they know the reason why, beware of that person. Because they'd probably lie to you in other areas as well. There are things that I just flat out don't know. Tyler... Me and Mike went and visited that man in his home. I don't know of anyone that had more expectancy and faith to be healed than that man who had cancer. You walk into his home, into his bedroom, and there were scriptures on the wall. There were scripture tapes that he was listening to. There was teaching that he was listening to, and that man did not get healed. And anybody that would say, well, it's because he just didn't have the right faith or the amount of faith that God required, I say hogwash on that. I will never believe that God was up in heaven watching Tyler and saying, mm, you've almost got it right. You almost had enough faith. I don't believe that. 
That man had faith. I've got to look at it that there is a bigger picture out there. There's a puzzle. There's all the pieces that's put together. That from, That is from God's perspective. My perspective is I see a piece of a puzzle here, and I see a piece of a puzzle here, and the whole thing just really don't make much sense. But God sees it all together. What's the hoop thing? I never can remember this. The hoop thing, is that the embroidery where they do? What is it? You got to speak where I can hear. Embroidery. To where on the top side of that, that looks so pretty. So pretty. And the, turn that thing upside down and it don't look pretty at all. From our perspective, we're looking at it from the bottom side, and it don't look pretty at all, but from God's perspective, it looks beautiful. Amen. Yeah. The man that was in New York City in an art gallery of all the art uh, works that he had done, the masterpieces that he had done, and people looking and watching and writing down facts and things about this man, and about that time, a fly landed on one of his paintings. An art critic asked that man who had, who had uh, painted that masterpiece, what do you think that fly sees? And that man said, that fly thinks this is the darkest, blackest, ugliest place I have ever been. But from their vantage point, it was a beautiful painting. So if I try to make sense of everything that's ever happened in my life, everything that's ever happened in my family, I will never figure, I will never figure out why in the most important time that I needed my dad in the ministry that God called me to, God called him home. I don't understand that. But here's the point. God will explain all of that to me at a later date. And when I hear that explanation, it will make perfect sense. See, some have a template that they start with when they're thinking of the Bible and whatever it takes to push that scripture inside that template, I'm going to make that happen. I think that's disingenuous. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's honest. I'll give you, for instance, the book of Daniel, chapter 3. Our God, this is the three Hebrew children standing before the king Nebuchadnezzar. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image that you have set up. That's real faith. That's real faith. Lord, we believe that you're going to deliver us, but if not, if it don't turn out exactly like I thought and exactly like I had it in my little template, I just won't know what to do, and I'll fall, I'll fall apart and go to pieces. And you know what that is, and I was thinking about this week, and this word popped into my mind, a word that I don't go around using this word, but I thought, that's fanciful faith. And I thought, fanciful. I don't use that word. Fanciful. I mean, I graduated high school from Wayne City. I thought, now, what's fanciful mean? <laughs> so I looked up the word, fanciful. Fanciful is an imaginary 
faith. I don't want an imaginary faith. I don't want a fanciful faith. I want a bedrock, sure faith. Now listen, I've been in enough hospitals down, down through my life and made enough hospital visits and if I was in exactly the same position that they was in, I'd be doing exactly what they're doing. Lord, change the weather. That's what Jesus talked about. Two homes. One built upon rock, one built upon sand, and both of them experience terrible weather. And they're praying, God, change the weather. And my prayer deep down is, Lord, let them stay on the rock. No matter what happens, let them stay on the rock. That is real faith. The book of Job, it wasn't God afflicting Job, it was the devil afflicting Job. Again, everybody wants to blame God for everything. 1 Corinthians 5, listen to what Paul says. Now, how would you like to have Paul for a pastor? Listen to what, I know some of you think I'm just, oh, 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 he just, ah, ah, yeah, <laughs> Listen to what Paul says. Here was a man that was in the Corinthian church that was having sexual relations with his stepmom. This is what Paul says. You've not dealt with this man now, here's what I'm telling you to do, to do to that man. Deliver that man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now, I'm not going to get into the first half of that. Let's get into the latter half of that. For the destruction of the flesh. He didn't say deliver him over to God. No, God's not into that. The devil's into the destruction of the flesh. Not God. Do you get that? I want you to get that. It ain't, it ain't God that steals, kills, and destroys. It's the enemy that does that. This man in John 9 was born blind. Jesus said, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Listen, when we as an individual or we corporately as a church, when we help the handicapped, the blind, the lame, the deaf, the mute, the poor, you know what we're doing? We're doing the works of God. Amen. Amen. Now, listen to this. If Governor Quinn, the governor of our fair state, if Governor Quinn shuts down the Murray Center over at Centralia, I am telling you this, that man will be held accountable to God, the reason why the Murray Center is doing the works of God. They are. They are. God is greater. He's greater than the devil. He's greater than your sin. He's greater than your hypocrisy. He's greater than your aloofness. He's greater than your pride. He's greater than your intellect. He's greater than your goodness. He's greater than your badness. God is greater. God is greater. I've, I've said this time and time again. Don't, don't have in your mind that it's a race and it's, oh, one day, one day God's out in the front. I mean, next day, oh, here comes the devil. Then, oh, we don't know who's going to win. Fooey on that. There's no way that's accurate. 
God is greater. God is greater. I said years ago that in the, and it's, an, it's incredible what you'll say while you're, while you're preaching. Or a guy from, Al, or from Al, and he told me that one time. Oh, yeah, preacher, it's incredible what, what a preacher will preach while he's under the anointing. And I thought, yeah, you, yeah, that's true. And, and, here, yeah, and, here's, <laughs> and here's what I said years ago. And after I said it, the very next week, somebody had got me a T-shirt, and it showed, it showed a, a big mountain, and it showed a deer, and it showed a waterfall, and then it had my quote that I used, and in the verse that I used as well. Now, see here, I dug myself in a hole, and I shouldn't even went here to begin with. Because <laughs> now I can't remember what verse it was I used, but uh, <laughs> I do remember my quote. I said, compared to God, the devil is a P-I-S-S ant. And I didn't spell it out. And that wasn't, I shouldn't have said that. No, don't clap. Don't clap. Because then people were talking to me about, oh, I don't know, preacher, I don't know. I, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have said that. I said, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. I said, problem is, it's, it's my grandma Dorothy's fault. She, <laughs> she's always talked, yeah, she's talked like that, and it just kind of rubbed off on me. And when I'd say something to her about it, she'd go, oh, it's in the Bible. Well, it is. That is in the Bible. It is. So don't ever have in your mind that, oh, it's just one day God's winning, the next day the devil's winning, one day God's winning, the next day the devil's No, 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 no. God is greater. And when we finally get to heaven, we'll say, that preacher was really right. I mean, God is greater. God is greater. Now, I want you to go in your Bibles to John. That's big John. One of the Gospels, John chapter 1, verse 1. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, chapter 1, verse 14. I have said before... This is not my favorite verse in the Bible, but I do feel this is one of the most important verses in the Bible. John 1, 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Let me get personal here. In the beginning was the Word. What's that do for me? Hmm. What's that do for me? And the Word was with God. Hmm. What's that do for me? And the Word was God. Well, that's great, but what's that do for me? I need more than John 1.1. 1, 1. I need John 1, 1 coupled with John 1, 14. And let me use this term. I've mentioned this before, and I like this word. We'll dovetail these two verses together. Because John 1, 1 shows the greatness of God. 
John 1.14 shows that God is greater. Now, let's dovetail them together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. And the Word was with God and dwelt among us. And the Word was God, and we beheld His glory. In the beginning was the Word. That's great. And the Word became flesh. That's greater. And the Word was with God. That's great. And dwelt among us. That's greater. And the Word was God. That's great. And we beheld His glory. That's greater. In the beginning was the Word that is totally unapproachable. And the Word became flesh. That's approachable. And the Word was with God. Unapproachable. And dwelt among us. That's approachable. And the Word was God. Unapproachable. And we beheld His glory. That's approachable. In John 1, 14, Jesus dwelt among us. Dwelt is tabernacle. In the tabernacle in the Old Testament, it's where it was God's meeting place with mankind. Jesus is the tabernacle. It's the only way we will meet with God is through his tabernacle, the Lord Jesus Christ. You won't meet with God through good works. You won't meet with God if, if the only way that your idea of meeting with God is through communion. You won't meet with God. If your idea is, I'll get water baptism and that will meet me with God. It will not. Jesus is the tabernacle. He tabernacled among us. Thank God he did. Romans chapter 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There are times that I need John 1.1, but there are times I really need John 1.14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. I've already made mention of me and Mike visiting someone. I'll mention me and George. The last time that I saw Monty Dash alive. It was heartrending. His face was just an odd color. His eyes, there was no way he knew, would even seen who we were. And a few hours after that, Monty went on to heaven. I, uh, yesterday, and it's probably been over a year since I'd even been on that road, from Route 15 um, to 161, I was needing to get to Sisney, and I'd already went through Wayne City, and I thought, well, that'd be the best way for me to go, and I just went up Johnsonville Blacktop, and there I seen the Pin Oak Cemetery sign. And drove right past it, and I thought of Monty. 
Looked in my rearview mirror, nobody was coming, so I backed up and I went to the Pin Oak Cemetery and seen Monty's marker. <clears throat> True Blue, I mean, he got her right there and etched in his tombstone. St. Louis Cardinals, St. Louis Rams, <laughs> True Blue, True Blue. And I thought of different things that Monty had said to me. And, you know, you can't help but smile. I mean, there was only one Monty Dash. But I want to tell you, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That didn't do Monty much good. But boy, John 1.14 sure did. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. That man knew who Jesus was. Why? Because Jesus came to where Monty was. God is greater. The little girl told her mom, Mommy, I want a bicycle for Christmas. And she said, Honey, maybe you ought to ask God for a bicycle for Christmas. And she said, no, Mom, I'd rather ask somebody that had skin on him. <laughs> and the Word was made flesh. That's who we have, somebody with skin on him. Jesus will bear in his body the marks of the crucifixion for all eternity. And we will be able to look upon that. And no, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Thank God. Thank God. Never think that this is it's a race and who's going to win. God is greater. Bow your heads, please. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you, as I have thanked you hundreds of times, I want to thank you for the gift of your Holy Son, Jesus. And I want to thank you, God, for the gift of salvation that you have for whosoever. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, it's not whosoever pays money. It's not whosoever is the best looking. It's not whosoever has given the most to build a hospital wing. It's nothing like that. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm praying, God, that happens today. In Jesus we're praying. Amen. You stood before
our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.